Thank you, Pastor. So trying to get adjusted up here as I look at announcements and think about what a required minimum distribution is. and As I think about what it means to preach God's word and all these things, part of what makes it tough is that last week, not only were we with family, but one day, a couple of days, I got out in the pasture and cut wood with a chainsaw and piled brush. And I am still sore and can hardly move. Apparently, I used some muscles that hadn't been activated in quite a while. Plus, it was cold up there, as I've already mentioned. And so, you know, I've just become a Floridian all the way around. But I do know that we are to open up our Bibles or otherwise give our attention to God's Word today. And so that's where I want to direct our attention. As we continue along in our series, having gotten through chapter 4, we have jumped back now to chapter 1 as we are in this Advent season and are considering the first part of the book because the doctor has good news. And the gospel according to Luke, chapter 1, beginning with verse 5, is further indication of that. So ready or not, here is the word of God, Luke 1, beginning with verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And... You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. To make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, 
Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. And as the grass withers and the flower fades, the word of the Lord shall stand forever. This is the word which by the gospel is preached to you. Amen. So, what would you do if an angel suddenly were standing in front of you? I saw recently in a parking lot a car that was parked in the space and Sitting on the dashboard was the replica of an angel, a little plastic angel just sitting there on the dashboard. And I thought, if you were driving down the road and an angel suddenly appeared right in front of you in the windshield, you wouldn't be able to see to drive. You would be so terrified you wouldn't know how to act. Because angels minister in the presence of God and thereby God being holy, 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 these angelic beings are representative of his holiness. And we being sinners, when confronted with that holiness, are naturally struck by terror. That's why angels consistently had to say, whenever in the Bible they appeared to somebody, fear not. Now, in Christmas season, we read those words and breeze right on by them to the rest of the narrative. But we're doing them an injustice. Do not be afraid. Because our natural, normal response is to be terrified in the presence of God. And if you haven't been struck with that kind of terror, you haven't really experienced God. Now, that's not the whole story, thank God. But we say so little about the holiness of God that we don't really grapple with all of this. And so, therefore, when we read passages of Scripture like the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, it causes us to wonder. So, when we think of Zechariah, let's have some sympathy for this dear old man who had been honored with the task of going into the temple to offer incense on the altar of incense, which had been done for 1,500 years since the time of the construction of the tabernacle. But on this one occasion, this extraordinary event occurred. What we need to glean from this, among other things. Well, there are a number of things. But we see here that God carries out his predetermined plans through his prepared people. God's predetermined plans. His intention since the time immemorial, before time, even before the foundation of the world, was to redeem a people for himself. And to send into the world his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to demonstrate his love for us, which Greg so wonderfully preached last week. By the way, why am I even up here preaching? Because he went through the whole Bible. I mean, we're done, right? We're just waiting for Jesus to come back. Thank you, Dr. Poland, for that wonderful message on the love of God. And God has demonstrated that love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus came according to God's plan. But part of the plan also was to send someone who would prepare the way to announce the coming of Jesus. And that man's name was John, born of Zechariah and Elizabeth. We see mention here of Herod, Herod the Great, Herod who was the supreme ruler, at least in as much as Rome allowed him to be ruler of that part of the world. And we see that he had his purpose, but not the purpose as he thought it to be. He was a ruthless individual, a violent man who killed people that he considered to be a threat to him whatsoever. 
And he would have been deemed to be the most important person in this story by those who would have heard it in the day. But from the vantage point of 2,000 years removed, we know that Herod is just incidental. He's not the most important person in this narrative at all. So earthly rulers serve their purpose, but they ultimately serve God's purpose. Take comfort in that. Regardless of your political affiliation or how you think the direction of the country is headed right now or whatever your circumstances may be, God is working in people so that his kingdom is coming on this earth. We see that Zechariah and Elizabeth had a pedigree, as we may call it. They both were descended from Aaron, the head of the priestly line. It wasn't unusual for priests to marry someone from that Aaronic line. They were all descendants of Levi. But most importantly is that we see that they were following the Lord. They were both righteous before God, in verse 6, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. So it wasn't just that they suddenly began to behave when it came time to minister in the temple. They were walking with the Lord on a daily basis. Now, righteousness can only be ours by faith. So that means they had faith in God, just as Abram had trusted in God and was counted righteous. So they, too, were trusting in the Lord, their God, and were counted righteous. God used them. Again, if we were writing this story, we would tend to find the important person according to history and place the responsibility on that individual for the events that came afterwards. But God uses unusual people in unusual places. I'll put it blunter than that. He generally takes nobodies from nowhere to do something with them. And I've always been comforted that because I feel like I qualify. They both followed the Lord in the everyday circumstances of life. Don't ever underestimate the power of a godly life and the influence that you have on other people just by simply following the Lord in everyday life. We are so accustomed or so drawn to the glamorous, the famous, you know, watching some football yesterday. And, you know, I don't want to get into talking about games like Clemson and USC or Michigan and Ohio State. I can see by the looks on your faces who fell where. (laughs) Go blue. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Oh, yeah, we already I'm going to have to do a counseling session right here. (laughs) Reconcile members one to another. But, you know, the, the whole thing now, you know how people used to just go to a football game and watch football? I mean, there were, there were no great stars that came out for entertainment. You didn't have all the glitz and all the flashy stuff and all the special effects on TV. You actually just sat and watched people play football. Nobody does that anymore. you got all this entertainment stuff that goes along with it. You've got these announcers doing their thing. And you've got famous people who have to show up and perform concerts. And it's just gotten to be so over the top. That's that sermon, no charge. We're so used to seemingly important things coming from people of status and fame and power and wealth. And God works in an entirely different way. And I want to encourage those of you who feel exceedingly ordinary 
below average, not attracted, or at least the world not being attracted to us, to know that God works in the lives of people whose hearts are yielded to him. Indeed, he often works through those that the world has dismissed and deemed unqualified. Here was Zechariah and Elizabeth, well along in years. She was barren. That was a great burden to bear in those days. But that did not disqualify them in the eyes of God. It didn't matter what the world thought of them. God had a plan and purpose for their lives as they were. And we see that. Again, I've had this scripture before you recently. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 29. I want to read it again. For consider your calling, brothers. I'm not talking about Zechariah and Elizabeth, Joseph or Mary. I'm talking about you. Consider your calling. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful and not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Think about that. Do you qualify? I read that on the one hand, and I'm thinking, you know, that's that's not the kind of thing that you would find in your typical self-help book where you're seeking to build up your self-esteem. You know, all those things that they have you, they tell you ought to play those sound bites in your head all the time. Oh, you're extraordinary. You're marvelous. You're wonderful. And then God comes along and says, no, I choose what's foolish. I choose what's weak. I choose what is low and despised because God deals with reality. And suddenly we find ourselves in just the place where God can use us, just as he did Zechariah and Elizabeth. Something else that we see here, because Zechariah was going into the temple. Now, I'm not going to go into all the aspect of the ceremonial law, which required the offering of incense on the altar of incense, which stood just outside of the Holy of Holies. Technically, it was a part of the Holy of Holies, but it was outside of the veil because only once a year did they actually go through that veil into that holiest of places. But just outside of it was that altar of incense and the substance was to be offered there. That was a sweet aroma as it was lit and as it burned. And that was representative of the prayers of God's people. And as that was symbolic of the prayers, as the incense was going up, so prayers were also being offered by the people outside and by the priests on the inside. Again, I've already mentioned that had been going on for centuries. And that symbolism of prayer demonstrates its importance. Psalm 141.2 says, Let my prayer be counted as incense before you and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. And then in the Revelation, we see it also. For example, in chapter 5, verse 8, And when he had taken the scroll, the four, that is the Lord Jesus, the Lamb of God, took the scroll, and the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of the saints. We, uh, in praying for the service, 
I was thinking about so oftentimes when we pray in public, we can get caught up in the words that we use. And sometimes prayers may seem eloquent. Sometimes they may seem feeble in a fumbling attempt to say anything at all. Thank the Lord God Almighty for the Lord Jesus, who is our mediator, who takes our prattling like the prattling of children. Like when I'm holding my little now one-year-old grandson, our grandson, Ethan, Ethan Patrick. You know, and he looks, and with that passy in his mouth, he goes, hmm? It's just the cutest sound in the world. I have no idea what he means by it, but it is a glorious sound in our ears. But I think, what are our prayers before the Almighty God, the one who is all-powerful, who knows all things, who knows our needs far better than we do? He's not impressed by our eloquence. It comes off like the prattling of children. Guh. Hmm? Because Jesus intercedes for us. And those prayers are like a sweet aroma in his presence because of Jesus. Golden bowls full of incense. And yet Gabriel appeared in the midst. This unexpected, totally unexpected manifestation of God's angel, Gabriel. Just as he had appeared to Daniel centuries before it was a profoundly historic occasion and so we see in this indeed that god answers prayers for purposes that far exceed the scope of our petitions we have the thing that we're asking for and then there's that which god intends to do and our asking for something tends to be very small, but God does extraordinary things through our feebling, fumbling attempts to petition him. And so Zechariah had gone in there as a matter of practice, as the priests had done for centuries, to offer up those prayers. But God answered in an extraordinary way that was beyond anything that anyone could have expected. Now, Zechariah is in there experiencing Gabriel's message while the people outside are wondering, where in the world is he? He should be done by now. Like good Presbyterians, they have their orders of service and, you know, the, everything on the bulletin had been ticked off. And where is this guy? God was answering prayer beyond their expectations. And it was a terrifying thing for Zechariah. But the good news was announced. This one would come from Elizabeth, their own son who would be an instrument of good news. Don't be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And there's a lot of information in a short period of time. And so Zechariah is having to process all of this. But you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. You see, God does extraordinary things. Even though our prayers and petitions seem so unimportant. And of course, we all know that he oftentimes does not grant our prayers in the way that we want. How many of us have prayed for loved ones to get well or for circumstances to improve in situations and they seem not to? Loved ones die. Those circumstances don't improve. But God is not failing to answer. He's actually granting more than we're asking for. And most of that we will only See when we get to heaven. Keep that in mind. 
Zechariah is confronted with this heavenly answer here on earth. Most of us will not know until we're in heaven. And so John would come. He would do what God ordained for him to do. Going forth in the power and spirit of Elijah. Turning the hearts and fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. and Make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Proclaimed by prophets. So God provides prophecy. And he performs what he promises. What he had said centuries before would take place now begins to unfold. Even though there had been centuries of silence where there was not a revealed or inspired word from the Lord. There had been no prophet who had come to proclaim as Jeremiah and Isaiah and others had done. But that silence in no way diminished the prophecies that preceded that time of silence. And just because we now have long awaited the return of the Lord Jesus, in no way does that diminish the promise of his return. He will come back. Don't be discouraged. It was Malachi, again, 400 years previous, who had said, Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. The deliverer would come. Rather than judgment falling as we all would deserve, Jesus comes to redeem. John came to announce that glorious arrival. Prayers answered far and above all that Zechariah and Elizabeth could have asked or thought. And we see in this that God means for his servants to believe his message. <laughs> How shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. I'll give you a paraphrase of what follows. Son, you don't know who you're talking to. I am Gabriel. The one sent by God to proclaim God's message. You see, when we disbelieve the word of the Lord, again, we don't diminish its significance or power whatsoever. We diminish our own standing. And that's the place that the whole world is in. I saw recently where a school district had decided to ban the Bible from its classrooms. They don't want it mentioned. They don't want it talked about. They're not diminishing the importance of God's word. They're diminishing their standing before God. We need to know. We need to understand. He means for his word to be heard and to believe. Zechariah, in answering the way that he did and demonstrating his own unbelief, would be struck silent. This man would not utter a word until that little boy was born. All he could do was signal with signs or write on a tablet. He couldn't communicate any other way because God means for his word to be heard and to be believed. And so God had demonstrated his power, his might, his intention for his revelation to be heard and proclaimed. He appeared in visions to Abram, Jacob, Samuel, to Moses in a burning bush, to Isaiah in the temple when he saw him there lifted high, his whole train filling the temple, the train of his robe, and all was filled with smoke or the cloud. The Lord Jesus appeared to Saul outside Damascus 
as Saul was going to Damascus to persecute Christians, he suddenly was struck blind by the appearance of the Son of God who said, Oh, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And his life was transformed forever. We see how that he appeared to John, the disciple on the island of Patmos. Some of you have been there because you told me. There on that barren, rocky island that is of no particular interest to us geographically, and yet something extraordinary happened there when God appeared to John and revealed to him things that still cause us to wonder. How many of us read the book of Revelation and scratch our heads and wonder, what does this mean? Because it exceeds the ability of human language to describe it. He appeared to multitudes when he was on this earth ministering to them and healing so many of them and to over 500 at once past his resurrection. God means to be heard. He is there and he is not silent, as Francis Schaeffer has said. And so we need to know the importance of listening to him and heeding what he says and obeying him. And what he said came to pass. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. She kept herself hidden. And yet, in the passing of time, a child would be born. Couldn't do anything but be born because God had proclaimed it and declared it. So here were the people of God dwelling in this time of conquest when the Romans dominated them, when that iron-fisted rule of Rome was clamped tight. And it seemed as if they had no future at all. God was not constrained by the politics of the time. Caesar Augustus reigned in Rome. Herod reigned there in Jerusalem. But that was no impediment to the Lord at all. His work would go forth. His kingdom would come powerfully and effectively on this earth. And so you need to know in our time, in this 21st century, in the year 2022, almost 23, don't be discouraged by the political climate. Know that the kingdom of God is coming. And the government is upon his shoulder. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. He is coming, and all of his angels with him. And there is no power on earth that can thwart it. We may wonder about the effectiveness of human governments. But don't you ever wonder about the power of God and his ability to bring about what he's proclaimed he will do. Because the greatest news you and I will ever know is that God keeps his word and he's made a covenant with us. And there is a redeemer and his name is Jesus. And anyone and everyone who repents of sins and trusts in Jesus will know what it is to be saved and rescued from this world that's perishing. That's why we've got lights and greenery up here. Your own circumstances may cause it to be difficult to celebrate right in this moment. Maybe there's pain and illness. Maybe there's loss in your family, dealing with death, and there's grief. But I'm telling you, friend, there is a Savior. I am telling you that God keeps his word. I am telling you that he is doing a work that far exceeds anything any of us could ever ask for. And one day, when we are before him in glory and we behold his face, we will be overwhelmed in the centuries and the eons to come 
at the goodness and the power and the might of God who does all things well. Bless his name and give him praise. And bow your knee to Jesus. Receive him. Trust in him. And whether you've known him for years or whether just Possibly, perhaps, in these moments, you found yourself drawn irresistibly to him. Rejoice, Christian, and give thanks. There is a Savior. Let's pray. Father in heaven, blessed be your name. As we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ and for all those who proclaim him. From John, who would become the greatest of all the prophets, right down to the least of these today. I think about uh, hearing of a, a dear brother in India walking barefooted miles every Sunday, preaching to congregations of 10 and 15 and 20 in different villages. He can't even read and write, but he's memorized your word. And he takes what he knows, and he proclaims the good news of Jesus to any who will listen. So, Father... Grant to us that we also may see the supreme importance of this, your glorious word. That we with gladness, like those men of old, may rejoice in Jesus, our Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's the title of our hymn, As With Gladness Men of Old. And we're only going to sing the first and last stanzas. Let those other stanzas be something perhaps you could use even as a devotional today. But we'll sing the first and last stanzas of the hymn. Let's stand together as we sing to the glory of the Lord our God. And may the Lord lift up unto you his countenance and give you his peace, both now and forevermore. And everyone said together, Amen. Amen.